0: crazy but we are on the edge with april mahoney brains we're in scotland today i'm so excited i've got jillian hostin or do you say it hostin hostin hostin
1: she is visiting with
0: us and she is a transformational leader she helps women break through and blossom helping women say goodbye to limiting thoughts and beliefs reclaiming control over their lives within a transformational 90-day journey. Now some people have been struggling with stuff for 40 years and Jillian says she can knock it out in 90 days. So we're going to talk to her about that, her story, her journey and her truth here on The Edge. Let's welcome her brains. How you doing Jillian?
1: I am good, good, good. Yes. How are you?
0: I can't complain about anything right now. I just, you know, I I'm just in a good, good space because I'm here with you and I'm going to learn some very valuable tools and tricks on how I can elevate myself even to the next game. I don't think I have a lot of limiting beliefs. Uh, I can say that in a kind of arrogant kind of way because I work on that daily. You know, I have that Mm -hmm. I am conversation with myself. I do the deep work. I do the mirror work. I take responsibility uh, for my actions. And I think I try to think before I speak but I'm sure it's a lot more than that. So let's start with your story and your journey. How did you find yourself in this space?
1: Oh, well, I guess it's kind of a bit of a long story. (laughs) Uh, Just thinking back the other day about what brought me here. And what I realized was as a child growing up, the narrative that I kept being told as a a young child was, you're too loud, you're too bossy, you know, you're just too full on for for everyone, and you really need to kind of just get it all in check. And uh, what well, I think you must have been my sister. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do
1: you know? And the thing is, I can see it now in my, my eldest daughter, she's kind of grown up like that as well. And, uh, you know, what I took from that as a very young child was I need to kind of dim my star, you know, dim my sparkle. And, um, just tow the line and be the person that people want me to be because I'm naughty, and I'm, I'm too, the, too much of this and too much of that. So I ended up kind of towing the line, and living life ac- according to other people's expectations. And I found myself on a path that was like everyone said, well, you've got a good career, and you know you're doing this and you're doing that, but it really wasn't the life that I had imagined for myself. But I just ended up on this kind of conveyor belt. And I realised that I actually wasn't very happy. I'd got a lot of anxiety, which I think was really, you know, when when people constantly tell you, you're too loud, you're too naughty, you're too bossy, my, my whole day was probably spent thinking, am I offending people? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? And, you know, then I went into a career, so I went into human resources and I ended up working for somebody whose values were just so alien to mine. Mm. And he was asking me to do things that went against all my personal values, but actually against my professional values as well. Mm. And it made me sort of deeply unhappy. And it actually made me very angry. I became a very angry person, very intolerant of others, um, just because I was fighting against this box that I was in. And I realised one day, A, I've got to get out of this job because it's making me miserable, but B... I need to do something about me because I think I'm a little bit broken inside just because of things that have happened to me over the years. So I decided to train as a a coach and a hypnotherapist, but it was as much for myself at that point as it was to help other people. I thought if I do this, I can help myself and in helping myself, I can hopefully then go on to help others. And that's kind of what led me down that path was, was trying to fix me.
0: Well, we're all shattered. You know, we all have broken pieces.
1: But yeah.
0: again, the awakening comes when you do that self-evaluation and say, well, "You know, this doesn't feel right to me." This yes. is what this is how I'm perceived by the outside world. This is the negativity. I keep living in this echo chamber of constant reverberation of negativity. I can't see my way out of it. Once you find yourself compressed in that container brains, you know you need some help, and it's not self-medicating. It's not being cruel to others. uh, It's not using flavorable language, uh, but it is really trying to figure out what to do. So what did you do? Where did you begin? What was your aha moment?
1: I think my aha moment was when I, I studied so I, the course that I did was a combination of NLP so neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy um, and I guess it was it was the NLP side of things that really just helped me see the world differently and recognize that you know we all see the world differently you know you and I could watch the same scene unfolding and take completely different things from it so it helped me to understand myself better, but it also helped me to understand other people better. And, you know, that there's different perspectives and that I'm not always right. You know, there's my truth, your truth, and then there's everyone else's truth in amongst all that. So, you know, that was the the really big aha moment for me was kind of just understanding that a lot of the time when maybe I felt upset by things that people had done they weren't actually setting out to upset me. They were just doing their own thing. They were trying to get by and get through life as well, the best way they knew how. And they weren't intentionally setting out to upset me or anyone else. And, right. um, you know, it's just that their view of the world was different and that's okay.
0: Now, as they say, the struggle is real, but I want to dial back to NLP. Yeah. People toss that around like a $25 word. Give me three or four key things that... Transpires when you are doing or working with someone with neuro linguistic programming. Number number one, um tell us what it is. I know what it is. My brains may not know what it is, but they hear about it all the
1: time. And then three or four techniques that you incorporate. Okay, so for the brains, um who, who are watching who may not know what NLP is. So I mean it's it's massive, is the first thing to say. It's it's a massive subject. But it breaks down into some um, sort of presuppositions, I guess you would call them. And, and there's a, there's quite a few of them. I won't go over them all. But it's things like, you know, you're, the map is not the territory. So basically what that's saying is that we've all got our own view of the world. But that's not what the world is. The world is something completely different. It's me. You know, you've got your view of it. I've got my view of it. Other people have got their view of it, but we're not all right in what we see. It's only it's only what, it's our understanding of it, but other people have got different understandings of it. So there's no one truth in all of that. You we can't say you're right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong. It's, it's all different for everyone. So that's the first thing. Um, also, another thing that's really key in it is that we've all got the resources inside of us to achieve what we want to achieve. And, you know, there's a narrative often that goes through us that says, I need somebody else to help me or I can't do that. Um, people like me can never do these kind of things, but we've actually all got the resources inside us. We just need to bring them out and then we can achieve whatever we want to achieve. So there are you know, a couple of key things. And um, the other thing is that people are not their behaviour. So, you know, we, we all behave in different ways. Sometimes we you know, behave well, sometimes maybe we don't behave so well, or at least according to other people's view. But that's not, that's, we're not defined by that behaviour. That's not telling people who we are. That's only how we're behaving in that moment. So you know, you've really got to look beyond the behaviour and say, why is that person doing that? What is going on inside them to make them behave in that way? Um, It's also about communication, you know, like building rapport with people and using language that um resonates with them because I might know what I intend by the message, but actually what what is received is what that message is you know so if you receive it a different way from how I intended it that's on me. I've got to think about how I communicated that
0: well, I maybe I don't agree with all that because <clears throat> it's how you process it okay it's not on you it's not the delivery necessarily it's it's the receiver it's it's how you receive it. And that is based upon the different views, what we want to achieve and people's behavior. We, you and I have a completely different life. You live in Scotland, I live in San Diego. You know, you're blonde, I'm braided. <laughs> you know, I've had a different life experience than you have, different relationships with you know, intimacy, all that. So it's how you process it. So how do you work with an individual? Say so you, you know, you start working with me. Yep. I know that a lot of people, and it's, it's been done to me, and I, you know, do a little NLP at every night before I go to bed. But um, they incorporate that with hypnotherapy because of yes. suggestions. Yes. So you take an intake of what this person's goals and objectives and desires are. Then you do the deep dive, realize what the blocks are, and try to break through those, and then give suge- the power of suggestion um, to change it and reframe it. Do I have that correct?
1: You have that made correct, yes. Yeah. See,
0: so, yeah, I did my homework, Brains.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very good. That's very good, yeah.
0: But it, it's a lot, and you know what, Brains, uh, I want you to understand that after you do the work, you're going to meet another person. There's about six or seven people in your subconscious mind that you have never met that you may never meet. Do you want to meet them? Are you ready for the revelation? Are you ready for change? Are you ready to show up? Because you have to do the work. I mean, Jillian can, you know, lay you down on a nice fluffy couch and put on some music and burn some incense, put you in a trance-like state, and then you come up and that's it. She can't change you. Are you really ready to do the work and show
1: up? And that's the thing. I suppose that's the key thing. And I always say this to people when I'm doing hypnotherapy with them. It's, it's them that's in control. I am only making suggestions. And how they interpret those suggestions is completely up to them. So it's, it's them doing the work. It's, I'm only there guiding, supporting, you know, whatever word you want to use. And it's very much for the individual to, to navigate that change about doing this with young people
0: you know there's some kids that they've that have had some trauma you know we're talking about what's going on with the in the world today and yeah. you, know, you go somewhere and you're thinking that you're going to a music festival and bing bam boom you're in the middle of a civil war uh you're going to be shocked and traumatized the rest of your life you don't want to go back and continuously relive this trauma you want to go back to a certain point to reframe it Yes, yeah. it's still always going to be indoctrinated in who you are Do you think that, you know, young kids that go through this, like 10, 12 years old, because their brains are still developing, their emotions Mm -hmm. are still developing. Do you think that you can capture and help them that young with something so traumatic in their life, sexual assault or, you know? Yeah, Uh,
1: so I've never worked with children that young. The youngest I think I've worked with has been a teenager. Um, So I. I can't speak from experience, but in theory, yes, you know, hypnotherapy can help anyone. And what it does in relation to trauma is it's very much about not getting that person to relive the trauma, which some therapies do. They ask the person to to talk about it and relive it. Hypnosis actually says, I'm going to take you to the point of the trauma and then we're going to effectively not wipe it from your memory, but neutralize it so that you don't relive that memory and, and it just becomes a neutral memory in their in their minds really so you can do that very successfully with with teenagers and adults so i don't see any reason why you couldn't do it with children as well i do take the point though that because their brains are still developing you might have to do some kind of remedial work as they get older but in theory you can you can just get rid of it right away
0: are there tools after you've worked with someone you've done the the, the hypnotherapy with them you've you know, maybe done some Reiki, maybe some emotional freedom technique. What are some tools that they can grab hold to when they're not working with you? I mean, they may move to another country, another state. They may get a different partner and break out in a full-on anxiety attack. How do they, you know, catch their breath and say, "Whoa," you know, stop, pause, think, and go through some exercises that might be able to release them?
1: So I always leave clients with some things that they can do on their own. So they can do self self hypnosis. I'll leave them with you know some instructions on how to do that. They can do tapping. I can teach them tapping. I've got other techniques that I do with them, like sort of an instant calm technique that they can use, breathing exercises, meditation, um, and just some little things that they can do in the like in the moment. Like I love using affirmations. I love using gratitude as well, you know, say to people, if you're in this, find yourself in this bad place, what can you say to yourself to help you get back out of that bad place? So, um, you know, I leave them with a variety of things that they can use on their own. Some are really quick. Some maybe they need to take a bit of time over, but there's something for everyone in that.
0: What do you do to keep yourself clear and keep yourself calm? You know, this is a lot of heavy lifting. You've been through a lot. Sometimes people take on this type of work because it's also very cathartic for them. You know, yeah. it gives them an opportunity, but then there's some that take it on because they want to release it or they want to have a sense of control. So where do you fall
1: in that paradigm? What do you do for yourself to keep your head level? I guess so I mean I'm not 100% on this and I actually did a post on this recently I do try to practice what I preach and obviously I'm not perfect so I don't do it You're all the way everything I didn't get I'm, the
0: memo nobody told no, me no
1: I'm sorry I'm gonna have to break that to you I'm not oh. perfect I'm oh. almost perfect but not quite oh. um no so I, I practice what I preach and I do all the same things myself so I meditate and I use the the, the tips and tools to calm myself down i'm a lot calmer than i used to be i'm pretty unflappable now and i also you know one of the well, there's a few things that i hold on to from all the work that i've done which is um you know even when bad things happen something good is going to come out of it and it's happening for a reason that you possibly can't see at that point but it's going to come along at some point the universe will always provide for you you know, people may not believe in the universe, but they may believe in God or something else. I will say the universe will always provide for you. Um, so, you know, I'm able to kind of let a lot of stuff, just let it go. It, it's it right. doesn't matter. Just That's it's hard exactly to describe. I
0: got, I got to that point where, you know what, April, do you even really care? Do you want to invest that much energy and time? Yeah, because your ego takes over. Yes. And is it a personal attack? Uh, I had a conversation with someone and and they, you know, they use their outside voice. And I was like, well, you know, let's calm down here again. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm going to let them have their moment. They embarrassed themselves, but I'm going to let them have their moment because they took it extremely personal. And it wasn't about personal. It was about, you know, the situation that we were dealing with at that time. So that's what I do. I, you know, I I try to stop, give myself at least, you know, three or four breaths. Count, you know, from five backwards. I go from five, four, three, two, one. And at that point, I've taken a few breaths and I say, okay, ask yourself three pivotal questions. Is it important? How does it impact you? And what is the end result? Yeah. What what do I want from this? Do I want to, you know clarity, wisdom. Do I want to be an influencer, an impactor? Do I just want to, you know, puff my chest up? What do I want from that? And then how is that going to, you know, uh, win over other individuals? I think if people yeah. in politics did that, it's a good, great negotiating tool. Have you ever been in a situation with your boss, and they're just all in your face, and you turn around and you tell them, you're absolutely right. I apologize. I accept responsibility for that, and it won't happen again. They go from the top floor down to the basement.
1: There's nothing
0: to argue about anymore. There's nothing to argue about.
1: Yeah, I used to, I don't know if I've done it with a boss, but I used to do a lot of work with unions, trade unions, and I've done it there um, really successfully, just said to them, do you know what, you're absolutely right, you've got a really valid point there, Um, so tell me what I can do about it, and it just takes the heat out of the situation.
0: But you find a lot of times that they don't even have the answer to their own question because
1: yep. they just want to bark and they just want to be angry.
0: So yeah. tell us a little about a little bit about your ninety day transformational
1: program. So, well, I actually have I've got three different programs. Um, so they're all slightly different. Um, one is all just coaching. One is hypnotherapy, and the other one is hypnotherapy and coaching combined. And that's the the longer one. That's the ninety day one. So what I try to do is, is provide something for everyone because some people love hypnotherapy and they would rather just do that. Other people don't want to do hypnotherapy. Some people have got some you know, anxiety about it or feel it wouldn't work for them. So there's coaching for them. And then other people are like, no, throw everything at me that you can possibly throw at me and I'll run with it. So that's why I've got the combined one. And, and really what it is, it's about you know looking at what's going on for that person at this point in time and what they want to achieve, you know, where they are now, where they want to be and what's the middle bit. How do we get them from A to B and letting go of all these things that are holding them back? You know, it's whether it's things have been told in childhood, um, you know, limiting beliefs they have created all by themselves, fear of uh, doing video, fear of going online. All sorts of things, a belief that they can't make sales or they can't get promotion or anything like that. We'll work through all these things. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We'll reframe some of these beliefs. But I'll also give them exercises to boost their self-esteem, boost their confidence, get them believing in themselves. Because a lot of the time, these people, they don't believe in themselves. You know, they've lost all that kind of self-belief. And there's just a jumble going on in their heads. Or they have been controlled by a religious doctrine. Well, that could, yeah, they could be controlled by that or something else. A person... Yeah, absolutely. So there's all sorts of things and people come to me just in quite often in such a fearful place, not always, but you know, sometimes really fearful of just, you know, what if I post something on social media? What if I do a video? People are going to laugh at me or these people are going to see it. My family are going to see it. My ex boss is going I have
0: to a see it in my that told me, I don't want people to, 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 to see what I look like on social media. It is what it is. If they flew into town to see you're going to look the same way. But what people don't do, and I think they should do more of, is control the narrative. They use the social media platform as a therapeutic couch. They have this keyboard courage. They'll say whatever they want to say. They don't realize the millions of people that it's a point and a click. And you can go in and take it down, but someone's already seen it. Or it's already been shifted to another platform. That's what I really find fascinating uh, in the world today is how kids are influenced by that. But I mean, you know, you used to have a rumor and four or five kids would know, or maybe 10, 20. Now it's every high school in your district knows your business or calling your names or bullying you or whatever. And the psychological profile, I don't know if I would let my child run willy-nilly uh, with social media. I would have control over that. But when they get 16, 17, 18, but then it's really uh, sad when you you look at these celebrities, for example. Their life is predicated on being in the public eye. And then when you condemn them or criticize them, fat shame them or, you know, they're devastated. yeah. And I understand that we're all human beings. So brains, control the narrative. You don't have to, this is another thing that bugs me. Someone will be at their darkest hour on their deathbed and you post a picture of them and put it on social
1: media.
0: Mm-hmm. That really breaks my heart. They're in the hospital. They're clinging yeah. to the life. So everything, where your child goes to school, you know, what your, you know, Political point of view, and not just the point of view, but just negativity. I don't know where people, again, get this keyboard courage, and it's really awful. Shut it down, turn it off. Yeah.
1: I, and don't I think people think social media. We, we no. Refuse. My partner doesn't, he hates social media. I mean, he uses LinkedIn, but he doesn't use any other social media. I think people also think, you know, if it's on social media, it must be true. And it's like, no, there's so much on social media that is just completely untrue. But then people absorb it and it becomes, as you say, it becomes their narrative. Yeah. Well, no. So let's do some fun things and talk about uh, you. Some right. Fun Can you dance a, an Irish or Scottish jig? Oh, I could do it. I can do Scottish country dancing, we call it. Yeah, I can do all of that. Wow. And you were born and raised there in Scotland. I was. I I lived um, abroad for a while, lived in Germany. But other than that, Scottish born and bred.
0: Is there anywhere else in the world that you ever thought about living or moving to?
1: Do you know, it's interesting. I've just been thinking about that now because we're at the stage where all our children have flown the nest and, you know, we could kind of live anywhere. And I've realized I would, I love, like, I love Scotland. It's my home country. But I'd also love to live somewhere that had a bit more warmth, <laughs> wow. a bit of sunshine, you know, a bit less rain. Yeah, people say that that also infects your psyche.
0: I know there's a, Oak Harbor, Washington, that, that the rain constantly can bring on depression.
1: Yeah. It definitely does. So our clocks will go back at the end of October. And I know that that um, that will affect me. I'll have to start using a sad lamp. A sad lamp. What's that? Sad lamp. You know, like a light. Oh, a that, side lamp. Okay. The little accent. Sad. Making... sad, sad yeah, the accent. A sad, sad, doesn't, a sad yes, lamp? Seasonal affective disorder. And sad. So it's a bright light. And because I, when I get up in the morning, it will be dark and it'll get dark probably about half past three, four o'clock in the afternoon. So I'll, you know, I'm in darkness a lot of the time. So I put the sad lamp on in the morning just to give me a bit of a boost. Wow.
0: If you want an appliance in the kitchen, Jillian, what appliance
1: would you be? Hmm. I'd be a washing machine. That's a new one. <laughs> I guess that's not necessarily always in the kitchen, is it? But no, I'd be a washing machine. Because I would take people and all the stuff they've accumulated over the years, all the crap, and I'd wash it off so that it'd come out refreshed.
0: That's sweet. I like to be the refrigerator. Right. I just want, I just want to chill. <laughs> I was going to say, what, full of beer? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, just, I just chill or I freeze it out altogether. Absolutely.
1: If you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be? flower in the garden oh goodness um well I absolutely love tulips
0: oh I do too yeah
1: I love them and all the different colors that you get and I like
0: them when they bloom you know after you cut them and you put them in a vase they just go wherever they want to go they you know they come back together at night but in the daytime they just you know and that's a, a flower men love tulips if you were a car what kind of car would you be
1: Oh, gosh. Cars and me. I'm not big on cars, but I think I'd be something stylish, but practical. I don't even know what that would be. Mm, Stylish and practical. I'd be a 1978 VW Bug van. No, I know I'd be because I've always loved this song. I'd be a red Corvette. (gasps) You're a
0: Prince fan. I am a Prince
1: fan. I love Prince.
0: (laughs) I love Prince too. I've seen uh, Prince in concert. I saw him 12 times. Oh, wow. 12 times. And one time I slung my garter up and he picked it up and kissed it. I have that garter to this day. Oh my God. He was so talented. Just so talented. He definitely was. So, um, in conclusion, please tell my brains, um, Give us some words of encouragement, something to take with us, maybe a mantra, uh, maybe uh, uh, a technique or a tool that we can take with us and practice so that we can get ourselves in better balance.
1: So mantra wise, I would say something like, um, I am worthy of love. Because a lot of the time, what's going on for people is they don't love themselves. And just bringing more love into your life can help with that. so I am worthy of love is a good thing to do um, Also another thing just to, when you are if you catch yourself in the moment of a limiting belief that I can't you know I can't do that, no one will ever like me no you know whatever it is that you're you're feeling, if you catch yourself in that moment, ask yourself, is this thought true? and then challenge yourself on it. Because a lot of the time it's not true. It's just something that you've built up in your mind. So is it true? And then really be challenging of yourself on it.
0: All you have to do is go inside yourself and, and think about, and you know what, use your imagination. What would I like my life to look like? Yeah. What would I like my waistline? <laughs> I keep telling myself that, it's not working. <laughs> Well, what would I like? Um, what brings me joy? Yeah. You know, how can I support and help others? As Jillian yeah. said, gratitude is latitude and it will change your attitude.
1: Yeah, and find the happiness within because there's always something that you can be happy about. Even in trying times, you can be happy that the sun is shining or happy you've got a roof over your head or whatever it is. There's always something that you can find happiness about.
0: Absolutely. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you. I'd love for them to work with you, consult with you, um, be hypnotized and taken down by you.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, so well, I'm on um, LinkedIn and Facebook just as Gillian Haston. I've got a Facebook page, which is Gillian Haston Coaching. Um, I've got a Facebook group, which is called The Happiness Code. And you can DM me, you know, on any of these platforms and get hold of me. I'm on, did I say Instagram? I'm on Instagram as Jillian Haston coaching. So really use any of those and DM is absolutely fine. That's how most people get in touch with me.
0: Well, direct messenger brain, she's there for you. I need you to go in and do me a favor. I need you to love, like, share and subscribe. Jillian, are you a subscriber to the channel?
1: You will I, you know, I don't know if i actually am but i will be now <laughs> she quickly presses some buttons yeah,
0: you got to do that brains okay <laughs> i want you to go in because i bring you the best and the brightest all over the world we went to scotland we've been uh you know ireland we've been to london we've been to australia these people have dedicated their life and they come from a different perspective it's a different cultural awareness it's a different sensitivity it's a different need it's a different desire but it's all the same because we're one love we're all human beings yeah love that so i love you deeply and completely thank you come back and visit me if you're in san diego you might want to come and live here it's expensive as all get out but there's plenty of sunshine baby that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) sounds good all right brains have a really really exceptional day talk to yourself kindly and be gentle